If you have your Bibles, you can get those out um, and turn to 2 Peter. We are starting a brand new book today, the book of 2 Peter. Um, if you're new, today is a great day to be new at our church. Um, uh, every week should be great if you're new, but this week is particularly great because we're starting a new book, um, and it's always easier to come at the beginning of something than it is in the middle or the end. So we're starting a new book, Second Peter. In fact, and if you don't have a Bible, just slip your hand up. One of our awesome volunteers uh, will get you one. Um, and then second, uh, secondly, we also today have Ecclesia Connect, which is uh, immediately following the gathering, and that is hosted by one of our pastors, and uh, he will walk you through our beliefs, our vision, our core values, all those things. Uh, so if you're new, that's a great place to go after this and get more information on who we are, because I know that can be really, really challenging uh, when you're trying to find just a church home uh, to be a part of and invest in. Um, let's pray. Let's pray and thank God that we get to be here this morning. Lord, we just ask for God for you to speak. And Lord, as always, we don't want these words to just stay on this page. Lord, we want them to penetrate our hearts, our minds. Lord, I, I pray that as we begin this new book, that Lord, you would bring a freshness uh, Lord, with it, and, and that we would be able to today uh, catch a glimpse of the heart behind why this book is so important, and that, Lord, we would see, uh, God, elements and areas of our lives and of our faith that need to be reemphasized today. And so, Lord, we just, once again, we ask for you to speak. We need to hear from you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, so what we do as a church typically is we uh, pick a book of the Bible and then we go through that verse by verse. So this morning we, we're starting the book of 2 Peter. We just finished 1 Peter and uh, in 2 Peter we're kind of like, what's going on? All right, so where, where are we going with this one? And in the book of 1 Peter, if you missed it, the book of 1 Peter, uh, Peter wrote that um, Oh, around 64 AD, uh, before he was going to be martyred for his faith. And essentially, he wrote that letter to Christians all throughout the known world who were starting to experience opposition. And, and, and so he was preparing them for how do you walk through opposition to your faith, suffering for your faith when it's in your family, when it's uh, from the government, when it's at your um, at your work. And so he walked through how we navigate through uh, a, a culture that is in opposition to your faith. And so that was kind of the heart of First Peter. And in Second Peter, he writes this a couple years later. He's uh, obviously still alive, so he hasn't been martyred yet. There's, there's more opposition and persecution on these Jesus followers that are scattered throughout uh, the known world. And and essentially what he writes in 2 Peter is his purpose is to equip those Christians to be able to face and overcome the spiritual deception of false teachers who were starting to infiltrate their churches. Okay, so the, the first letter was, was, was navigating suffering, and now he is going to walk them through how do you navigate false teachers, right? Heretical teaching that, that is against uh, the gospel. And, and what he does, which is really, really unique, is he approaches it uh, in an unexpected way. See, um, one of the things that we pick up on from Peter is this emphasis on the fundamentals. And instead of giving his listeners, giving these churches new information on how to mount this incredible defense uh, against the false teaching that was happening, he actually reminds them about the truth of the gospel and the, the fundamental beliefs, and, 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 and he reiterates things that they've already learned, things that they've already been taught. And so his goal is to bring back remembrance and application to uh, the things that had, they had already learned, knowing that those are the things that are going to protect them and preserve uh, the gospel message. And so as, as we think about 
the day and age we live in. Man, what a timely word for us. Okay, we're in a, we're in a day and age where, where we're dealing with the explosion of information. We've got social media. We've got, um, we've got blogs. We've got podcasts. And, and all of the, we've got more avenues to gain more understanding, more information, more sermons, more thoughts than we ever have before. And so here we are at this point in time where it's probably the easiest it's ever been to bring false teaching or, or teachings that, that just, are, just twist the gospel a little bit, twist the truth of scripture uh, just enough to where we fall hook, line, and sinker into believing, into following, and it causes us to drift away. And so this is a very timely teaching for us today. As, as we think about just him going a different route than what we would imagine, because I think what we would imagine uh, in our culture, in our mindset is we need some new special truth. We need, we need something that hasn't been thought of before. We need a new book. We need a new, a new way of doing life. And so we are in this pursuit of this new information or new way of thinking. And if we just find that, then we'll be equipped to handle this. And, and Peter's approach is different. Uh, I was, I was uh, thinking about, as I was uh, just processing through how he approaches this fundamental mindset of, of walking through the fundamentals with them, things that they already knew, I was, I was reminded of two legendary coaches. And whether you participate in sports or not, that's not the point. But there's two very well-named, uh, very well-known coaches. And one is a football coach named Vince Lombardi. Uh, literally, the Super Bowl trophy is named after him, which is quite an accomplishment. And, and so very well known. You've probably seen quotes of his. But uh, anyway, one of the things that he used to do every new year is he'd, every new season, he'd walk in and he would literally introduce the team to what a football was. Then he would walk the team outside and introduce what a football field was and what it looked like. And then another legendary coach, John Wooden, who was this legendary college basketball coach who had unparalleled success. Uh, one of the things I'll never forget reading about is, is how at the beginning of a new season, he would teach his players how to first tie their shoes. And, and it's like, okay, well, what, what a waste of time. What are these guys doing? Like, well, obviously it wasn't a waste of time. And obviously they were very, very successful. And what they were doing was, was, was kind of turning upside down this mindset that there's got to be this new and better thing, and that actually, if we can master the fundamentals and focus on the fundamentals, we will have unparalleled success. We have everything we need already. And so there's this perspective that Peter takes that is different, that is unique, and yet it will work. Okay, so let's start off in 2 Peter chapter uh, 1, verses 1 and 2. We'll start off with, and it says, uh, Simeon Peter, and he would refer to himself, Simon Peter, uh, obviously as well, uh, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have been obtained a faith, who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Okay, so Peter first introduces himself as this bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. So he's literally saying, listen, I'm honored to be this bondservant of Jesus, to be, to, to be used by Jesus for this incredible work. And, 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 he, and he brings up his apostleship, which is what? It's, 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 it's stating his authority that he has to speak to them on behalf of Jesus. And what we're told about the recipients of this letter is these are just simply individuals who have obtained the same faith that Peter has and his colleagues have. And when it says they've obtained the same faith, faith is uh, the Christian faith. They've embraced the gospel message for themselves. And Peter says, listen, I pray that grace and peace might be multiplied to you in accordance with your knowledge and understanding of God, our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's like, I pray that grace and peace would be multiplied to you. And he says, that is gonna come through an understanding of who God is. You guys, the more we know God, 
and pursue God, the more we experience and see grace and peace in our lives. And you're gonna see this common theme here today. But then he continues on in verses three uh, and four, and he says, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Okay. So, did you see what he said in verse three? Yeah. Okay, everybody, everybody, if you have your Bible out, you need to look at verse three again. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Okay, now if I'm not loud enough or excited enough, it's because I spoke at a youth camp all week and I'm exhausted. But you guys, that is underline, highlight, double tap. You learn, you know that, okay? He is literally, he, he's saying, uh, you are assured that, that through God's divine power, not my power, not your power, not somebody else's power, but through God's divine power, God has given everything we could ever need to live a life of holiness. Okay, you're not as excited as, as, as uh, you should be. I'm not even gonna say as I think you should, as you should be. Guys, do you, you understand the magnitude of that? The magnitude of that is that through the power of God, through the work of God, you have already been given any and everything you could ever need in order to accomplish whatever he's gonna call you to accomplish. Whatever that road looks like for you, whatever message uh, you're gonna have to speak in front of whatever audience that is, whatever it looks like at this work or that work uh, or this school or that school or this roommate or this family or that one, he has already equipped you to be able to walk with him and to grow in your holiness through his divine power. And so you guys, his divine power isn't just felt when you receive the gospel for yourself, when, 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 you're, when you're saved. That is an incredible moment where we experience his divine power, his divine power that literally rescued us from our sin, gave us new life, new hope, uh, eternal hope. That's incredible, but it's also that divine power that sustains us and grows us into the holiness that he's gonna call us to walk in. I love how 2 Corinthians 9, 8, Paul says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Now, how does that feel? Guys, that, that's confidence, isn't it? That's a confidence. That's going into that conversation that you're afraid of. That's going in with confidence. Knowing that God's already, he's already, I may not feel confident, I may feel ill-equipped, I may feel like I don't have all the answers, the responses uh, that, that I should, but I know that God's already given me everything I'm going to need for that conversation. This step of faith scares me. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how we're going to pull it off, but I can have confidence because he has already given me everything I could ever need to take that step of faith and to honor him in the process. What an incredible, incredible peace that we get from that truth. And some of us, may, may, maybe you're in this room and you're scared to death of what it would look like if you gave your heart to Jesus. You're like, well, I don't, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't pray like them. They seem way better than me. I don't have it all together. All of that. It's like, it's like, no, 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 no. You're never gonna have it all together. And even, even if you receive him and move forward, you're gonna know that, that it's not ever going to be about your power. It's going to be because of his power. And, and he's gonna, as you walk, as you follow him, if you're new in your faith, I wanna encourage you because it can be intimidating, it can be overwhelming, and you can rub shoulders with other Christians and go, my goodness, how do they know so much? I know nothing other than like the gospel and I wanted to receive it. God meets you right there and takes you along and moves you forward and you can be confident not because of you but because of 
him that everything in life that pertains to godliness, he will provide. The power to live a holy life, once again, he brings it back to this. It comes from where? The knowledge of him. So the better we get to know him, the more we become like him. Through knowledge of him, we're also aware, and I love this section in verse four where he says, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Okay, so, so literally he says, through a knowledge of him, through our understanding, through our growth of, of him and his word, we're also more aware of these, he says what? Precious promises in the word. These precious promises that are in the word that help us live this life of holiness. You guys, it, it is incredible when you look at scripture and you start to look at all of the promises to you and I that are in scripture. It's amazing. I want, I want you to just think about some of these promises in scripture. That he's like, you need to hold on to these things. You need to remember these things. Here's some of these promises. That, these are just a few. This is the tip of the iceberg, okay? Um, the one promise right away, you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are given the Holy Spirit. So you're promised that at the moment you surrender your life to Jesus, you are given the Holy Spirit to empower you, to lead you, to walk with you, to speak. The next thing is wisdom. He promises that he's going to give his wisdom to us. He promises guidance to guide, to lead us where we're supposed to go, to help guard us against where we're not supposed to go. Uh, he promises freedom from sin, freedom from that bondage, freedom from that slavery. Uh, he promises us grace that you and I can experience every day because of the finished work of Jesus. He promises us power, right? He was just talking about it. He promises us an incredible power, not our kind of power, but his kind of power to fulfill whatever he would call us to fulfill. He promises victory, a victory over, over sin, over the schemes of the enemy, over evil. He promises us escape, that he will provide and make a way of escape. He promises forgiveness, that every time that, that, that we make a mistake, that we sin, that we fall away from him, we can go with confidence to our Savior and receive grace and forgiveness, it says, in our time of need. That's always available. He promises to respond to us when we cry out to him. He's given us the promise of eternal life, the promise of heaven which is incredible. And he says, these promises in scripture, these are the promises that if you will cling to, if you will hold on to, if you will remember and embrace, these are the very promises that will lead you and allow you to escape from, he says, this world's corrupted nature, the corruption that is all around us in our world. Now, you guys... If that's true, if, if, if he says that, that, that as we focus on these promises, as we embrace these promises, as we remember these promises of God in Scripture for us, that we will then have that way of escape from the destructive effects of our culture, why in the world do we never take time to just sit, to be still, and just meditate on the promises of God? Why? Why do we not do that? Right? Once again, Peter is like, you know these promises. He's not like, hey, there's some new promises that you didn't know about. No. He brings it back once again to these fundamentals. He goes, he goes you know these things. Go back to them. These are precious promises from God. And listen, you're going to have all these words, all these thoughts that are going to be contrary to Scripture. And the way you're going to be able to escape out of falling into it is through clinging to these promises, knowing them, understanding them. And so, and so you guys, if, 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 if there is not space in your rhythm, in your life, to, to meditate on the truths, the promises of Scripture to you, you are missing out, and you will not be able to 
escape that pull from our world. And so whatever you have to do, do it. It's by these promises, he says, that we become partakers of the divine nature. Now, this divine nature, he's not talking about now we become all of these, we're all become gods. Like, that's not what he's saying. What he's talking about is this process uh, that begins at conversion, that moment that we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We immediately um, given the gift of eternal life, aren't we? A new hope, uh, a new joy, a new life, a new peace, the nature of God there in that. But then as we live in light of that and and, and, and as we pursue God and all that he's promised for us, we become more and more conformed to his image. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is in the spirit. Okay, so we're, we're, we're beholding the glory of the Lord. We're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the next. So as we, as we read, as, as we learn, as we, as we follow him, the Holy Spirit changes us into his likeness. We take on the very characteristics of God. And, and, and so what, what, what Peter's speaking to is not just this initial change, that, that's at conversion, but ultimately what, what's gonna happen when we stand before Christ, when we're there, when he comes back for us, we read that we're gonna be taken there and we're gonna be with him for all of eternity. And at that moment, that's the end of this, right? That's 1 John 3, 2, where it says, beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Guys, that is gonna be insane. When we are there with him, and it's like. He says, that's the fulfillment of this. That's the fulfillment. And then he, he continues here in verses five through seven, seven. It says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Okay, so, so he starts like this, this section in light of what he's just said, right? So because God has given us all that is necessary for this life, this divine life that he's called us to live, he says we have to be diligent in cultivating and growing, making every effort in, 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 in taking these core essentials, these core virtues of the faith, and we need to grow and develop them. Okay, we need to make every effort. Now, he's not talking about works-based salvation here. So let's just be really clear. Okay, and, 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 and we see this same kind of wording here in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, where Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And he's not saying, like, figure out how to be saved again. No, but he says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure, okay? So, so he's talking about this growth, right? In Colossians chapter 1, 28 and 29, uh, he kind of says the same thing when he says, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So he's not talking about like, he's not talking about just receiving the gospel. You guys, here's the reality. Growth and holiness, they don't just happen. Okay? Like, like literally, I, and I'll never forget that moment when I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And guess what? A minute after I did that, there was a lot of brokenness still. There's a lot of messiness. There's a lot of things in my life that were far from God. 
Guess what? Three days after I made that decision, same thing. A year later, oh, same thing. Five years later, still areas. Right now in my life, still, still there. Still areas, still things, still struggles. And so what, what is he saying here, you guys? That, that growth doesn't just happen to you, right? You, this process of holiness, taking on the very characteristics of God, like, that's not just going to, oh, great, I received him, look at me, I've got it all. Like, no, that's not what, what happens, right? He's saying this is something that is developed over a period of time, and in order to develop it in the way that, that is needed to withstand the assault of the false teaching that you're going to be confronted with, these are characteristics. And he specifically points out specific characteristics, and he says these are necessary for you to develop in order to realize that God has given you everything that's necessary to thrive, to grow, and to fulfill all he's called you to do, okay? So, so he's, he's literally, he's, once again, these aren't meal replacements. He goes, these are supplements, okay? These are the things that, that you continue, that you add to, that you grow, that you pursue. And the first characteristic that he focuses on here is what? It's virtue. Now, what is Virtue. Virtue is essentially, it's spiritual courage, isn't it? It's, it's the strength to stand for what's right. And he says, you're going to need that. You're, you're going to need to cultivate that virtue. You're going to need to grow in that virtue. Some of you um, are, 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 have so much more virtue in your life than you did initially, right? Like, like some of you now, there's moments where you, where you stood your ground for your faith um, and, and you weren't persuaded and all that. But early on, you were like, oh, I was like an amoeba. I was a mess. I was all over the place. And, and, and now you're like, you, you're like, all right, here we go. You know, you're standing firm. And he says, you're going to need to be able to do that. You're going to need to be able to do that. When everyone else is listening, buying into something, you're going to need this virtue. The next thing, and I, and I love how these play off each other. It's so important. He says, this virtue must be supplemented with, he says, Knowledge. It must be supplemented with the knowledge of spiritual truth. And what does this emphasize for us? This emphasizes the importance of studying God's word, of learning, of knowing the word of God. Okay, guys, this is, there's, there's a lot of, of people that have said, I have this virtue and they're, and they're standing up, and they're like, I'll, I'll stand up for this. I'll stand up for my faith. And oftentimes, we will see that they will stand up for something, but when we actually take it against God's word, we actually see that it doesn't align from the knowledge of God. And so he's like, I want you to have virtue, but your virtue has to be supplemented with knowledge of the word of God. Otherwise, you're just going to be this poster child of, I'm standing my ground for the faith. And they're like, this has nothing to do with the faith. What are you doing? Like, and God's word doesn't say that. No, this is for God. And they're like, eh, it's for you. And so be virtuous. Have that strength, the ability to stand for God's word. But make sure you know it's God's word. Okay? Uh, then he emphasizes, and he calls every Christian to a life of What? A life of, it says, self-control. Self-control. Or, or we may say, like, discipline there. And I love in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 26 and 27, where Paul says, So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Okay, over and over again throughout scripture, you'll see this theme, this foundational piece that is so necessary. It's self-control, it's discipline. You guys, it is gonna take discipline and self-control for you to have a consistent, powerful prayer life. It's not just gonna happen for you. It's gonna take self-discipline, self-control to be consistent in that, to, 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 to go to God, to learn how to cry out to God at all times 
right? To have a depth of relationship there. It's gonna take self-discipline, self-control to study God's word, isn't it? That's not just gonna happen for you. You're gonna have to sacrifice some things. You're gonna have to make it a priority to study the word of God. You're gonna have to have have self-control, discipline in the use of your time. Okay, Like, like, guys, I'll tell you what. What in your life right now is saying, here's more time for you? Here you go. Have it. Okay, well, I know for me, that is, that's never happening. Like, no one has walked up to me and said, hey, Steve, here's two hours, man. You go. You have it. Do whatever you want. I think if that happened, I might crumble to the ground and just go, really? <laughs> right? Nobody's doing that. Nobody, right? In fact, everybody in your life, and that's not to speak negatively of them or, or anybody else, but everybody in your life is what with time? You can say it out loud. It's okay. We all love each other. You're taking it, right? So, so, so they're taking your time. Your, your employer usually isn't like, how do I give them time? So they're taking time. Your teacher's not up at night going, oh man, they need more time. no. Right, well, like, so everything, everything is taking from our time, and, and, and we need to know that whatever you say yes to with your time, you're also saying no to something else. So let's not get it, let's not be confused here. Every time I say yes, I'm saying no to something else, and so I am going to have to learn how to exercise self-control and discipline in these foundational pieces to my relationship with God. I cannot have a good relationship with God in my prayer life if, 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 if there's not self-control, if it's not consistent, if, if, if it's something that, that I'm not prioritizing. I cannot grow in my understanding of, of Scripture if I'm not taking time and saying yes to that and maybe saying no to some other things to make sure that that is a fundamental piece of my life. And you guys, you're going you're gonna to need that. You're going to need to look at the use of your time. We, we've got to discipline, self-control. We've got to show that in our lives when we think of just... Uh, how we treat our body, right? We're learning so much about the brain now. It's, it's remarkable. And how all those things and sleep and how they impact um, our efficiency and how we're able to move forward. You're gonna need to think about that discipline. Discipline and just sacrificial living. Discipline, self-control when it comes to... Mm-hmm. And for some of you, you're like, oh, I'm good here. Okay, let's talk about discipline and self-control with these things. Because you're really quick. Right? And so we have to be able to navigate what it looks like to prioritize and be disciplined. Disciplined. Have that self control to prioritize these things. And I, what's next is huge for us. He says self control should be supplemented with stead. Fastness, steadfastness or, or perseverance. What does that mean? That's, what is that? that? That's endurance through adversity. It's the ability to endure through adversity. And you guys, we have to be reminded and we should be reminding each other that, that, that if, if we're gonna move forward in this Christian life, it is going to be a challenge to endure. To endure. It's, it's not enough to just start strong, right? And, and in fact, every person I've ever met uh, who's received the gospel, they start strong, right? They're like, woo, let's go. Let's go. What do I need to read? You tell me what I need to read. Genesis, Revelation, I got it, okay? What's next? What do I gotta do? How many groups do you have? Because I need one every night of the week, right? Like, I'm, I'm ready to charge the hill, Right? Um, and, and I don't want just anybody pouring into my life. Who's the best? Okay. Are they good enough for me, Steve? Right? Like, like, like that's how we're so motivated. You guys, it's, it's amazing how we all start so strong, isn't it? Uh, I was, I was, I was literally reminded of my first and only marathon that I ever ran. And <laughs> the, the start of that marathon, guys, I ran the start of that as, as well as anyone's ever started a marathon. I mean, it was impressive. Like, if you would have been there the first 100, 200 yards, you'd have been like, oh, okay, he's one of them, right? And then guess what? Mile 18 happened, right? Mile 18. 
And then mile 18, I'm questioning salvation, God, my marriage, my kids, my life. Everything was on the table at that point, right? Because I was a mess. Endurance, right? Endurance. Endurance. Ability to persevere, endure. You guys, that is so important for us because when I look at the last couple years and I look at the challenges, and, and it's not just Christians here. It's everybody. It's, it's, it's our whole culture. It's a whole world. What we have seen is a lack of ability to maintain self-control while enduring. And that's why I love how Peter says, no, 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 no. It's not one without the other. It's not one without the other. See, most of the time, our self-control is attached to work going well, feeling like I'm close to God, the message is resonating with me, a new worship song, some trip, some experience, right? And in those moments, I find that, man, I can find that, that discipline, huh? I can find that ability to sacrifice. When, when my life is in the dumps and I've got nowhere else to turn, I find a prayer life, don't I? Right? But, but, but the question is, the challenge here is not, can you just find it when you need it? Or, or can you just do this, you know, and, and just, you know, make it? survive it? Like, like, no, no. He says, no, you need to be able to actually endure with your self-control. Your your self-control is actually going to help you maintain and actually grow through those waves that are going to happen. Those waves that are going to attack your health. They're going to attack your occupation. They're going to attack your marriage. They're going to attack your closest relationships. All of those things we know are going to happen to us. And they're going to happen to us whether you follow God or not. But the question is, can I actually demonstrate and bring self-control into my life, but not just bring it when the moment's right, actually be able to learn how to endure in it? Right? To be able to go to the gym when I don't want to go to the gym. Right? Can I do it? Right? And most people can't. And most Christians, guys, and I, I meet them all throughout this community. And they've literally, they're like, they're not a part of any local church. And guess what? If I meet you in the community and you're not a part of any local church, yeah, I'll invite you to mine. But I just want you to be a part of a local community church. Like, that's it. And if you're here and you're like, I don't like you, I'll help you find another church. Like, I want that for you. Okay? We need that. You guys, and, 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 and so many people are just not going anywhere just because their self-control was attached to what felt right and when things worked right. And what Peter is saying is, listen, time's coming. It's happening. When you're going to be faced with opposition from speakers that are going to sound so great, they're going to manipulate you, they're going to be so gifted, they're going to even say some verses, and if you don't have endurance with this self-control, you're going to fall for it, and you're going to fall away. The ability to endure while maintaining self-control. The next virtue is godliness. Our lives should reflect the characteristics of God. And so he says, cultivate that. Continue to evaluate. Like, as you think of how God, how Jesus in the flesh interacted and dealt with people, are those characteristics more present in my life? Am I, am I pushing for that? Like, am I learning more about Jesus so I can look more like him? And guys, when we think of godliness, there should be a supernatural quality to how we deal with other people. In fact, in 1 Timothy 4.8, uh, it says, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So godliness is, is absolutely critical. And then he moves forward and he says, brotherly kindness. And he talks, to, and, and we read in scripture, this brotherly kindness that we should cultivate, this ability to love each other as Jesus followers well. John 13 tells us that's how the world is going to see and know that we're actually followers of Jesus is by how we love each other. And that's what he brings it back to, the whole section. He says, all of this is gonna come from where? Love. And then in verses 8 through 11, he finishes with, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, 
they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, so here we go. It says, if you're increasing in these qualities, if you're growing these things in your life, it is going to what? This is so important. It will protect you, it says. Protect you from what? Protect you from ineffectiveness, unfruitfulness, short-sightedness, leading to blindness, and forgetfulness. So he says, if you practice these things, if you're diligent, if you're, if you're pushing forward in these areas, in these defining characteristics, in these fundamentals of the faith, listen, it will guard and protect you from, from, from this ineffectiveness, from this unfruitfulness. You won't be blinded. You, you won't be forgetful, right? Like, like guys, you can, you can know God. You can read scripture. You can even pray to God and still be ineffective and unfruitful. Just because you go through the motions doesn't mean that God's working it. It doesn't even mean that you're following him. It just means you're good at going through the motions. You've kind of figured out what the expectations are, right? And so we've got we've to ask ourselves, when I look at my life, Do I see an effect there? Is, is there fruit coming out of my life or is it unfruitful? And this, I want to be clear, this has nothing to do with success, okay? Because oftentimes, especially in our culture today, we, we, we try to quantify what God working means and we look at it as like numbers and success, if this and this happens and, and that happened and so we're successful. If we gauge the prophets by that, we would say the prophets were a failure, okay? So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about if you figured out the next great thing in leadership, all right? Uh, we've got too many pastors trying to be the next great leader and not shepherding. So we need shepherds, right? And so I, I, this, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about God's working in and through your ministry, in and through your life. And he says, these qualities will guard you from being ineffective. They'll guard you from, from literally the fruit dying that's around your life. And, 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 and then he says, what comes next? This short-sightedness. This short-sightedness, what is that? Well, short-sightedness here, it refers to the person who lives only for the present, right? They are consumed with the present, with the next great thing and what's right in front of them, and, and they have no view, no vision, no idea about the future, right? Now, that, that doesn't mean they, they, they struggle planning out the next 10 years. No, it's saying they're consumed with what's in front of them. They're short-sighted. They're, they're preoccupied with the material things and avoiding or not seeing the spiritual, which lasts. They can't even see it. It's beyond. And ultimately, he says, this short-sightedness leads to what? Blindness, which is a scary, scary place to be, which... I plead with people to get out of that, where they can't see and identify anything of God in their life anymore, or it's just non-existent. There's nothing there. And ultimately, when there's nothing there, what happens next, he says, is there is forgetfulness. You will forget. Forgetfulness means that you've forgotten what you've come out of. You've forgotten what God's done. You've forgotten what he saved you from. You've, you've forgotten the incredible lessons that he's, he's taught you on this journey. And guess what? When we don't learn from history, what do we do? We know this. You repeat it. You go backwards. And you have to relearn these lessons. And Peter's like, please, I'm trying to save you from that. I'm trying to guard you from that. And if you can implement these things and, and move forward in them, you will 
not fall off. And then Peter exhorts his readers to what? To confirm their call and uh, election. And once again, he's not saying confirm it, like make sure you're actually saved or you better do better or you're not saved. No, he's saying that they must desire to grow and to progress in these godly characteristics because it will confirm their faith. It will validate uh, their faith, not only to themselves, but to other people. You guys, like, like, like I, when you are walking with God and, 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 and you're cultivating and growing these defining characteristics and you're seeing them at work and you're seeing the fruitfulness, you're seeing the peace, the hope, the confidence that I talked about, knowing that God's already equipped me for whatever he's called me to walk through. When that happens, you guys, guess what? You are, by how, by, by, by how you view yourself, you're like, I know I'm saved. I know, I know that I'm saved. And, and other people that are looking at your life, they're like, man, clearly there's something different there, right? And our lives actually take, take on the shape, take on the actual calling that it started with, where God, in his sovereignty, said, I want Steve. And in his sovereignty, he didn't just say, I'm, I'm gonna set aside Steve, but then he called me. He brought people into my life because he cared so much about me. He loved me so much and he loved you so much that he didn't just say, hey, good luck, figure it out. He started to call you unto himself. And, and Peter is saying that, that as you cultivate these characteristics, you will be reminded and brought back to that incredible calling. And that will give you the confidence you need to move forward in this life. And that will keep you from stumbling. It'll keep you from these things. This isn't a new thought. I'm not trying to blow your mind, but just these things. And it will guard you from the very thing we're afraid of. God guards those people who move forward in their faith. You know, you've heard me say this before. There is no middle ground. There's just not when you look at scripture. In fact, we see that for those that are lukewarm, it says God spits them out. See, we're, we're either growing towards or we're falling away from. It's one or the other. It's not, you know, I'd love to say there's this awesome middle ground that you just find yourself in and you hang out in. I mean, I, what does it mean when someone says, when I ask, how are you doing your relationship with God? And they say, okay, I'm okay. Just be prepared. I'm gonna ask, well, what does that mean? What does that mean that you're okay? Because I don't see that as an option, right? It's like, how's your marriage doing? Oh, it's okay. Well, what's that mean? Because you're not neutral. You're just not. And you can take that in every important relationship of your life, right? You're either falling into, or you're falling away from. Guys, that's, that, there's two directions here. And so, we gotta ask ourselves that. We gotta reflect on that. We've gotta, we've gotta evaluate these characteristics and go, man, are, are, are these a part of my life right now, right? Or not? In verse 11, I love how he ends by con consistently pointing to what's to come. And he says, the promise. There's this promise coming of a richly provided entrance into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior. Peter always does a great job of highlighting what's next. So he reminds us of that incredible truth. You guys, when it comes to scripture, the best defense is a great offense. That's what you see in scripture. The temptation that, that you and I are gonna have, especially in a culture, a culture like they're dealing with, a culture that's closing in, a culture that's against your faith, more and more, you're gonna be challenged on it. The, the best defense is, is not for me to get higher walls around my house, right? Uh, th that, that's not the best defense, right? The, the best defense isn't for me to go, like, how do I just, like, not uh, and get as far away, like, as I can, right? Like, at some point in time, whether you take that route or not, it's going to confront you or your kids, right? And, and, and so the best defense is not fortify the walls, the best defense is me pursuing Jesus. 
It's me pursuing a knowledge of God. It's me pursuing the characteristics that define a growing, healthy relationship with my Lord and Savior. It's these characteristics. And it's not me going, hey, God, I pray that tomorrow I just wake up and, and, I, and I just got it, right? That's like the person that goes to the gym one time and they go, I'm going to be so ripped tomorrow. No, you're going to be really sore and you're not going to want to come back for a few days, right? And, and, and so it doesn't just happen, you guys, but for whatever reason, and maybe there's been messages, and God forbid a message from here that would lead you to believe that it's just gonna happen for you. Like, no. It's a growing, it's, it, it, it's tough, it's practice, it's discipline, it's saying no to things, saying yes to others. It's tough. But ultimately, a knowledge of who God is, if that drives us, that will be the greatest defense you can have from stumbling. And he says, you will not stumble. And that's why at this church, I believe my job is to do everything I can to stoke that fire in your heart and encourage you to move forward in your love and understanding of who Jesus is. That's it. To give you opportunities to grow, to challenge you to grow, to move forward in your faith, to provide these opportunities like discipleship, school of Bible, all of these things like it's, it's not about a curriculum. It's about like taking these words and moving us forward and knowing that, man, if this church is gonna make it, we gotta have these characteristics. If I'm gonna make it as a pastor, I gotta have these characteristics. If you're gonna make it in your work, as some of you, you got some challenges at work. Some of you got some challenges in your home. If you're gonna make it, that's what it's gonna take. And so let's address this in our lives right now and reflect and remember, you guys, whenever he reveals things that aren't where they need to be or where they're going, you have two options, right? One is just shame, right? That's really easy to walk out of a teaching and just go, well, I'm awful, honey. How is church for you? Right? That's the easy out. It's just like, oh, thanks a lot for compounding how I already felt about myself, right? That's an easy out. But the other way is to go, okay, God, you just revealed some stuff. And I'm still breathing. So this is actually an opportunity. Guys, you need to view this as an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to redirect, course correct, and to take ground that you had never taken before and to realize, just as he kicked off the letter with, there is a peace and a grace that God is wanting to back up a dump truck full of and just dump on your life. But can you pursue him?